This is exactly right. Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s, like lavish estates and gardens. And of course, little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deep deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough, you can make it into the detective club. And there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them, which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! Welcome. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) This is That's Messed Up, NSVU podcast. I'm Kara Clank. I'm Lisa Traeger. And every week we talk about an episode of SVU, the true crime it's based on. And we have a guest from the episode. And we have a great guest, like always. As usual. And it is 420. (laughs) Happy 420, babies. I'm going to get Taco Bell. (laughs) That's how I'm celebrating. I think you should go to whatever you should worship at whatever church you want on today's highest of holy days. I'm getting a crunch wrap and a cheesy gordita and I'm going to smoke a blunt. I hope someone will roll a blunt for me today. I'm sure you can get someone to do that. It is weird. Have you ever watched someone roll a blunt or a joint? It's like a surgery. It feels like it takes a really long time and it's like very meticulous. No, what messes me up is like they have to slobber. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. That's the sick part. Yeah, the guys in college used to like put the whole thing in their mouth afterwards to like seal it up. Yeah, and then I would just like meet a stranger and smoke their shit. You know, it's wild. It's not COVID friendly. Blunts are not COVID friendly, I gotta say. No, most drug use, I I don't (laughs) think is. Because even the ones that like you could do Molly, but you'll want to touch someone. (laughs) You are not going to keep distanced on Molly. No, absolutely not. Um, We also, okay, we have to start off with an issue Karen and I have been having. So, and actually this issue, my friends are also not on my side. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know what this is. So I'm sick of silverware dividers. I don't need them separated. I don't know why they need to be organized. I don't like it. It stresses me out. So I wanted my silverware loose in a drawer. And I think that is insane. (laughs) 
I don't understand why when you're looking for a spoon, you wouldn't want to just open a drawer and go here where all the spoons are, grab a spoon and move on with your life. You're like, I'd rather do a treasure hunt and find the spoon. There's not that many things. There's only two. There's a knife, fork, spoon. It's not like there's. Well, I have big spoons and small spoons. I have big forks and little forks. Yeah. So that's why I use a divider. Also, it's like there's little crummies and things getting in that drawer, little dust particles. I just feel like the divider keeps everything like cleaner. Well, I bought one of those like uh, papers that are pretty that grandparents like. Yeah, it's like (laughs) shelf paper. Yeah, I mean, that's a step. But I just think that a two dollar divider is what you need. I just and don't. Want I just it. can't believe this is the hill you're dying on. I'm not gonna die. Well, our friend made me buy like one container that I'm keeping. I'm gonna buy two separate. I'm just gonna throw them all in one container and see how I feel. Right now, they're loose in the drawer, and I have no complaints. I would love to hear from the uh, listeners: um, silverware dividers or just full-on jungle of silverware. Tell me how you organize your drawer. Well, I know how most people do it, but I wonder if they might join my loose games <laughs> or not. <laughs> If maybe they're sick of the dividers too. I also t- reveal to everyone I'm d- I haven't washed produce in forever. I don't want to. Mm. But that seemed appalling to the group. But I'm just like, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> I don't know. Probably um, salmonella or well, a blueberry doesn't have salmonella. E. Coli. I have to wash a blueberry. I'm popping it in my mouth. <laughs> I'm like done. I'm just done with all these fucking rules. Oh my god! Yeah, this is um, well because the dirtier you are, the less susceptible you are to shit because your body's used to being dirty. If this podcast was going to get a restaurant grade, I think we'd be getting a C. I think we in the window storefront of our podcast would be a C rating. So I'm just letting no because you bring it way up. Well, look, I'm I'm not even crazy about like harsh washing produce or whatever. I rinse, I rinse. I'm not like super psycho about it, but I I do rinse. Yeah, I mean, I I wiped it down when COVID first started. Yeah. Also, if I'm alone in my house and I know I'm going to pee a few more times, I might not wash my hands. <laughs> like if you pee in the middle of the night, are you washing your hands? No, not if I pee in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm literally sleepwalking to the bathroom and I'm pregnant. So I am peeing multiple times. A I night. hope people I don't have time come for over. that. <laughs> I'll come over. I'll say I just high fived you before the show started. So here we are. No, if I know I, I'll wash my hands when I'm seeing people. <laughs> I also have a desperate, I don't know if this is another desperate, it is desperate. I was, I've been watching Inked YouTube, the channel. So it's like a tattoo magazine and they like will enter, it's like talking head style with tattoo artists and they talk about different topics. And one of my favorite characters from Ink Masters, Kelly, I don't know if it's Dottie or Dodie, but Kelly, she does a new school. She lives in Salem. And when you say characters, you mean a full real life person. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, she's a real person, Kelly. And she has law and order tattooed on her body. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She talks about how she loves true crime and true crime podcasts. And so I just in case she's listening, I want to say, Kelly, I watched you on Ink Masters and please hit us up. If you're friends with Kelly from Ink Masters, please tell her that. Lisa's a fan of her character and would like to talk to her about love. But the reason her season was the best was there was like a few chicks and like first. Okay. So this was the season where each master tattoo guy judge had their own team. And it was like the teams versus the teams. And um, 
so the teams were split, but then Kelly went to one of the girls on one of the challenges and was like, fuck these teams. Let's just have each other's backs. And the rest of the girls were like, fuck yeah. And this drove the men insane. Yeah, she turned it into a battle of the sexes. But not even a battle. She was just like, let's have each other's back. Yeah. And the men tried so hard to fuck them up, but they were so superior in every way that the men kept going crazier and crazier and having meetings being like, we got to get these bitches. We'll get them. And they're going to go crazy. And it's like, you're going crazy. And um, like they would try to give them the hardest assignments and like just screw up their game. And no matter what they threw at these girls, they just were able to keep winning because they were just so good. And uh, Kelly and Ryan were in the top. So two out of the three top people were the girls while the guys just got picked off. And then, but then the end was a live finale and it starts with Dave Navarro in hooks through his back swinging. And it's like, that deserves a warning. Wait, what? What? Like people like suspension stuff, but... But through his actual skin. Yeah, so like he had hooks in his his skin, like throughout his body and he was swinging over the audience. No, no, I can't talk about this anymore. Yeah, it's horrific. <laughs> this is making me scared. Like It I, was insane. Oh, skin stuff is like so scary for me. That's really... What? Okay. So we have a friend that I found out was watching Ink Masters. So I told them when... This season is the best season, but not only that, there will be a moment where Dave Navarro acts insane and you please text me. (laughs) (laughs) And so they texted me and in the background of the live video, it was their girlfriends shrieking like, oh my God, why? (laughs) Lisa, if you think... You need Ink Master to have a warning. I think that's messed up. Needs a warning just for the listeners to hear that shit. I'm like, we need to put a trigger warning on this fucking skin swing. This is okay. This actually needs a double warning, but I'm obsessed with these uh, porn stars or a lesbian married couple. Um, But you're not going to like this. But she did a knee suspension like blow bang. I don't know. What is that? Is that what is that? So she was suspended through her skin knees. No, 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 no. Lisa. Okay, we got, we got to move on. We can, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> we can't talk about it anymore. All right, well, let's move on to your child. Well, let's allow my toddler to palate cleanse this conversation. No, actually, I'm in a really great place with Rosie right now. I'm, she's oh, obsessed yeah. with me and I do nothing. She's talked about you again this morning. I go, we're going on vacation. She goes, and Lisa's coming too. She's obsessed with Lisa right now. And I don't know what to do. I didn't, I didn't facilitate this. I think it's because you gave her the Daniel tiger stuffed animal for her birthday. Maybe that's it. Cause you said that you put her in a car seat and she's like, where's Lisa? She got in her car seat. She was so upset. And she goes, I want Lisa. And I was like, <laughs> Lisa's going to make you wear a car seat too. Well, maybe not. I don't know. She's not washing her hands. Who knows? Um, no. Uh, and her voice is so cute and high, but she's talking so much. Yeah. And I just can't wait for our vacation. She never stops. Yeah, we're going to Palm Springs today, a bunch of us with our vaccinated pod, and we're really excited to get going. I mean, by the time this airs, we'll be back, but... And we'll tell you all, we'll regale you with tales yeah, of art. It's weird. You guys are a little behind, but um, yeah, I've when you're listening to no, as you're listening to this, I will be eating Taco Bell. <laughs> That's true. 420. Because it's 420. So yeah. we'll be back from Palm Springs and I will be celebrating. So as you're listening, just imagine Lisa bunch biting into a crunch wrap. Honestly, Supreme. if you are celebrating 420. Uh, tag us yeah or ju- yeah just tag us in your photos of you like hi watching us video. yes send us your weed um and also i really love when you guys tag us in um baby's dogs cats watching yeah the show the pets are loving the show <laughs> they are big fans we gotta start 
Great. So yeah, so we're going to hop into today's episode, but it's um you'll notice it's a little bit of a chiller episode today. We didn't want to harsh your mellow on 420. So it's not quite as uh it's not quite as get ready to get sad as it usually is. But I did bring up the hooks, so that might be more yeah, upsetting so than most you did of get some trauma. We provided <laughs> you with a little bit of trauma, so um, let's... Uh... Oh, I have one more shout out. I just want to say, moving here, um, I was been so grateful to Karen, all of our friends, and I feel so often in our lives, it's like, go find a romantic partner, but you should all invest in great friendships because Aww. it was so nice. I'm like, yeah. people brought me things. Everyone wanted to see my place. I got picked up from the airport. It was just like, everyone was, you know, a friend gave me a nightstand. Um, it's just been so nice to have great friends. You've got a good village. Me. I have a good village. Yeah. Thank you for that. Now, everybody, smoke a bowl and let's watch this episode. All right. All right. Um, This is season eight, episode nine, choreographed. And it starts off with like very sensual licking and kissing of a young couple about to have sex. (laughs) In a park, I would say. Um, And but she like the girls like, no, it's my first time. I wanted to be special, not at Central Park. And I did lose my virginity on a grassy field. So I I guess this girl needs to lower her standards. Well, Central Park after dark is that's not where you want it to happen. (laughs) Nobody good in Central Park after dark. I thought you were going to say the opposite. Like Central Park is such a cool park where it's like, if we're going to lose your virginity outside, I don't don't know. I, (laughs) I feel, I just, (laughs) you can't even talk right now. Okay. So, so they're around and then a dog interrupts their sexy time barking, but the dog is not evil at all. The dog just needs help. So they grab the leash and follow the dog. And the girl says he's really wound up. And the guy goes, I know how he feels. So boner <laughs> joke immediately, which I love. And the dog leads them aggressively and they see a man in a trench coat limping away. And then sadly, there is a blonde woman. Her shirt is ripped open. She's on the ground and the teen kneels down and asks if she was raped and she nods. Yes, but she's hyperventilating. She can't breathe, um, but she indicates that she had been raped. So. We're on the scene. Stabler's there. Everyone's there. And fun fact that this teen is actually um, an actress from Orange is the New Black season six. Um, she played one of Carol's girls who reported to Madison, that blonde one from Boston. Oh, God. I did not remember her at all from that. But OK. Yeah. She's just very like beautiful. I just remember her. Oh, yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. The very yeah. beautiful girl. Yes. Where you're like, girl, don't be in prison. No, yeah. Um, <laughs> But I auditioned for the Madison part in Orange is the New Black. You would have been good. Bussy mean one. Yeah, I think so. But I can't play a racist because I'm so Jewish looking. I don't. That's I, the problem. I, they could figure it out a way. They yeah, can figure maybe. out a way to make you look. I don't think you have like a very specific Jewish features. I feel like my nose is, but I got a lot of Orange is the New Black um, Nazi auditions. And I was like, I just don't think I can pull this off. <laughs> I just don't. Um, and this girl did a great job. But anyways, we're back. Stabler's talking to the teens. And then we have CSU captain Judith Seiper is on the scene. And she's one of our listeners' aunts. So shout out. That's Yeah, very we are exciting. definitely hoping to talk to her one day. She's like yes. very, very classic CSU 
And she's got, I mean, so does Melinda. Like they both are just sassy and I really enjoy yeah. that. Um, she finds a coffee shop receipt, a coffee cup and a debit card um, near the body. And from the debit card, we find out the name of the victim and it is Danielle Masoner. And uh, Melinda's also on the scene. So there's so many scientists and it's confusing because the teen said she was grasping for air, but Melinda sees no signs of strangulation or bruising on her neck. and first glance, there's no fluids, but there are other scrapes on her body. So we'll see what happens. Melinda's guess is she had a coronary from a stranger attacking her while she was walking her dog. And Maloney says, literally scared to death. Credits. Like, can there be enough videos that people send us of people dancing to the theme song? No, nope, like, I don't know when I'll be enough. sick of it. There <laughs> like, are never enough. Uh, we should do a challenge like uh, we sh we should come up with a dance yeah oh yes um so when we are back from the credits um we're in a wild predict we're we're basically zoomed in on a giant photo of a naked woman and a child's pose type vibe and a man with gray hair is talking about the victim who is a model and she's modeled since she was a child and who is this gray-haired man it is wesley her husband and he has uh, a hoop earring and a mustache so you know he's a bad boy who's just aged a little bit it's a very beautiful space for New York, very sunlit. Um, we learn the husband is an artistic director and choreographer and owns a dance studio called <laughs> owns a dance studio called Radialis? Radialis. Radialis. What the fuck? Who on a Saturday night is like, oh, we gotta go to Radialis tonight? <laughs> We got to check out the new show at Radialis. This is, they do not have a good marketing department. I'll tell you that much. That was, it's just, okay, sir. Um, so, you know, Stabler is talking about the victim with the husband and calls her Danny. And Wesley gets pissed and goes, no, only I call her Danny. You call her Danielle. So um, that's like maybe a clue, maybe not. Like, what's what's that about? Oh, I you think know, it's just a reference to Danny Beck. Well, of course, but we don't. That, yeah. Basically, this is the first episode without Danny Beck, right? Like Danny's gone. Yeah. So it's obviously Danny. He can't get Danny out of his mind. That kiss stayed in him. So then Bob Saget walks in as Glenn Shields and Catherine Bell from JAG. Um, from as JAG. Naomi Shields. Never seen an episode of JAG, but I, I know, know her, her face from JAG. From JAG. That, that's so <laughs> funny. I have never yeah. seen a minute of JAG, but I know this woman's face from yeah. like JAG commercials. I don't even know what JAG is about. I think Naval. I think it was like Top Gun for television or something. Okay. But yeah, I know that poster so fucking well. It was on the air for a decade. Not seen one episode. Maybe we should <laughs> JAG podcast coming Jag up Box. next. <laughs> But um, yeah, Catherine Bell, who is beautiful, and I think people will come for me for this. She's obviously gorgeous, but we learned she's a dancer at the studio. Girl, I've seen Black Swan. You're too old to dance. What's going on here? <laughs> like, obviously, follow your dreams, do what you want to do. But we cannot pretend this woman is in a dance company. Well, Can we? yeah, I, I think that I think that that like just realistically in a modern dance company in New York City, you're not going to be in your mid to late 30s and be a principal like lead dancer. Like, that's probably not 
going to happen that often. Yes. This has plagued me for a decade. I've <laughs> wanted to like scream this from the rooftops and thank God I have a platform now because this is <laughs> shocking. This is so I love shocking. that your notes say if we're going by black swan rules, like there are black <laughs> swan rules. <laughs> That's where I know most of my dance, uh, dance. Anything. And we I say mean, this as Two people that are too old to be principal dancers in a company. We're not like old shaming anyone. Like I think both of us oh, are yeah. too old to be principal dancers in a dance company. Also uh, untalented. I don't think we could, <laughs> even if we were young, I don't think we'd be getting the dance roles. Excuse me, I danced. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't principal dance company, but I was a dancer for a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, just I'm tone deaf, unfortunately. So that's just not something that I have going for me. Um, <laughs> So they're the artists, you know, that's the artistic group. We have a model, the dancer, choreographer. And then Bob's like, I'm a computer nerd. <laughs> and that's exactly how he sounds. So we learned that he's a nerd. Now we're back at the Emmy's office and Melinda's just like, I don't know what happened to her. There's no coronary issues. The tox screen is clean. The rape kit is clean. The only thing in her stomach was coffee. Um, and they make a joke because she's a model. Of course, there's only coffee. They talk about Danny Beck leaving and now he's alone and he's like, no one wants to work with me. Everyone hates me. Benson left. Danny left. What am I going to do? And it's like, maybe go to the therapy that the station has been begging you to go to. <laughs> maybe, maybe that will help keep a partner around. Just spitballing ideas here, Elle. So we go to the coffee shop and uh, we're... One of the baristas or manager is showing us footage and she always comes alone, um, but she's really nice to this guy um, who's dealing with homelessness and she always she buys him coffee and she's just very kind to him. So we're at the precinct and Maloney is watching the video over and over and over again. One of my favorite things, because he wants to memorize the face of this man so he can go stalk the local encampment and bother homeless people um, until he finds this man. And Cragen makes a joke about no one likes you again. Um, so that's amazing. Like everyone's like, nobody wants to work with you. And, you know, this is when Olivia was doing her FBI stint, a.k.a. I think having a child. Yeah, this is when she was having August. Yeah, oh, the cutest. I feel like proud that my birthday is in August because her son's name is August. Like it gave me a new sense of pride. So Stabler looks off in the distance for about seven seconds, just thinking about Olivia and how much he misses her. Now, Stabler is in the middle of the night bothering people that are living on the street, like picking up people's hats, flashing lights into their eyes. This is the craziest police work that I've seen. Um, but he does finally spot the guy that he memorized from the video. And um, in his pocket is a photo of Danielle from a magazine. And he starts running. There's a knife fight. And Stabler starts um, beating the shit out of this man at a very like sexual part of Central Park, I would say. But I think I have different views of Central Park than Kara. But <laughs> you see a bridge. I love stairs. Central Park during like the day. It. It's gorgeous. But at night, do I want to lose my virginity there? I don't think so. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm so, sure, Lisa, I'm sure the field where you lost your virginity was much safer. Wasn't yeah. it at a college? It was at a college. Yeah, that's a campus. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we know campuses are super yeah, campuses safe. Campuses are safe. <laughs> Nobody is weird or doing anything sketchy. 
Okay, so basically we find out that this man has broker's phasia, which is a cognitive disorder caused by a stroke, and he can't speak. So the doctor's like, great, you punched a man who couldn't speak. And they make fun of Stabler. (laughs) This is just a big roast of Stabler. Like, you just beat the shit out of a man living on the street who has a disease who can't speak. Way to go, bro. Um, And this man was an attorney who lost his job, lost his insurance, and ended up on the street. So this is just a nice, you know, beginning of the episode lesson of how people are dealing with homelessness and that people come from all walks of life that end up in these positions on right. the street. So, and the the guy, this homeless guy, fucking hot. Okay. <laughs> he has light eyes, salt and pepper hair, and he looks good. So I hope he, you know, gets to deal with his broker's phasia and learns to speak again. I don't know if that's possible. And then he's trying to communicate with this guy. And then in walks Olivia Benson. And I've seen this episode a dozen times. I would say I still shrieked. Like I was still like surprised. I I don't know. I was so happy that she walked in and she came to help communicate. She go and she was like, did she have hair like mine? And so she's communicating and her hair now is one of my favorites, like ponytail in the back, swoop bang in the front, some extra uh, pieces. So it's, (laughs) you know, it's like sexual, but business. You can run after a perp without your hair getting in the way. There's just like immediate sexual tension in the air between her and Stabler immediate like I'm not even one of the I mean I'm definitely one of these people that always kind of was like will they won't they can they kiss whatever I'm not like a huge like I don't write uh fanfic about them but like you cannot deny it the minute she walks in it's like the air is electric so um I was reading our emails yesterday and someone talked about one of their favorite episodes being from season one closure and I hadn't seen it in a while and I was like oh I don't even remember this one so I watched it and fucking Cassidy and Benson are in bed together like kissing and I totally forgot about that and I was like Ooh, I don't know. I just, it was exciting. They kind of stopped doing that afterwards. Yeah. And the, she also had like an amazing hot pink shirt in that episode, but um, it was, yeah, she had to like let him go because he was so into Olivia, but of course, and then yeah, whatever. And they both said the sex was great, which is great to know. Cassidy and Benson. How am I acting like I didn't know they used to hook up? It's like they also had multiple storylines in the future of them hooking up. No, no, no. I knew they used to hook up, but I never I don't remember them actually being snuggling in bed. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, he's like shirtless. And then when they pan away, he is in a twin bed. And I'm like, Uh they need to have gotten a bigger bed. Red flag. (laughs) It was like a very tiny bed, I think, for uh, Queen. Um. So they're playing a lot of Pictionary games, grabbing things, hitting stuff, trying to communicate with this guy. And they figure out that there was a guy in an arm sling that met her in the coffee shop. So now we understand maybe this is the limping man from the beginning of the Mm. episode. So Stabler and Benson do a stakeout at the coffee shop. And then once they ID the guy in the coffee shop, they cut to a scene of Stabler just shoving him into a wall in in interrogation, which is amazing. I just love how quickly there's a shoving. But also police brutality. Like he's this (laughs) man's already injured and can't hurt anybody. Why are you shoving him? (laughs) It is crazy. I've spent my whole life loving stabler and then with this show more and more i'm like oh he has so many problems (laughs) he has issues for sure he is a flawed hero for sure but how for 20 years have i fully ignored it and then only now i'm like wow okay (laughs) (laughs) this is this is why his wife wanted to leave him so they find out this one-armed man is uh 
they're all friends. And basically the guy's husband left him and he lost his house and Danielle helped him out and got him back on his feet. So they know that. And so he explains how Danielle and him were out for a walk and then she started seizuring and he tried to help but didn't know what to do. And since he saw the young teens coming, he ran off and Stabler's pissed. He's like, you left your friend to die or seizure because you had some drugs in your system. What the fuck is wrong with you? And I agree with Stabler here. I know we just talked about how he has problems, but I don't care if I was high on meth. If something happened to my friend, I think I would... Take the meth charge and not leave my seizuring friend. Right. I, yeah. I hope. It sounds like from what we learn later about him that he's kind of like a cokehead. And it's like, I don't think that they're really going to take you in right now and like blood test you for fucking coke. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, in the middle of you being it's just this, it's just it's very the show. It's kind of crazy that he would run away like that. But go on. So we find out then that Wesley threw him down the stairs And that's how he injured his arm, because he accused Wesley of cheating on Danielle. And the sling guy caught Wesley having phone sex and talking about how he's going to be a free man soon. And Wesley threatened to kill this one slinged man um, if he said a word (laughs) to Danielle. And so now we're at Radialis. Yep. It sounds like a ra- like a radiator company. What Radialis, is this guy doing? Like, yeah, it sounds like a pompous name for a, like a, a dance company, you know? And we right away see a super uh, butchy stage manager. She means business and we will see her again. And then we see Wesley classic just like yelling at his dancers. You're shit. You're terrible. Go back to Baltimore where nobody cares if you're two counts off or 20 pounds overweight. But also they're not even doing choreography. Like when we get on them, they're all just like kind of jerking. And I know my Modern dance is like different than like obviously like whatever you see dancing behind J-Lo. But like they're just sort of like all kind of sitting there like jerking their bodies around. And he's like, you're off beat. I'm like, isn't that the point? Like they look insane. Like no one is dancing together. No one's doing the same moves. Like, no. And I'm also against negative reinforcement. I think positive reinforcement helps people more. You don't just I don't think you can scream people into success. I just don't. (laughs) I just disagree with that type of uh, the whiplash style. It needs to be like Wanda loving your head jerks, but I'm going to need you to do it a little bit slower. <laughs> like, everybody- yeah, you're selling yourself short. You know, you can kill these moves, you know, like that's better than your shit. You're terrible. I just I they're establishing that. Wesley's character. Correct. Yeah. Um, and he commits the number one mistake. He's not being helpful in finding out what happened to your wife. If. Your spouse has been murdered. You drop everything and you help the cops with whatever they need. Being annoyed that the cops are trying to find out what happened to your dead wife. What the fuck? Like, so he commits the number one sin. Um, And then we get Bernadette Peters. Oh, my God. Tight curls. Feisty attitude. And she's getting her motherfucking client out of here. Okay, she's taking her client home because you don't have any evidence. Um, She is just so cool. I wish I knew her more from other things except just the Cinderella. Oh, Um, well, do you haven't you seen the original Annie? (laughs) No. Oh, she's in the original Annie. I used I saw her in this movie Cadillac Man with Robin Williams. Like I've just been watching her like forever. And she um oh she's only in this one episode i thought she was in many i did too that's crazy well she's playing stella danquist okay oh stella oh that's her friend's baby's name i miss her (laughs) okay um 
What shout out to Stella? Okay. Um, <laughs> so they go to the Chiel's residence to like talk things over, figure shit out since they can't talk to Wesley because Bernadette Peters is a great defense attorney. So uh Bob Saget, he has my favorite SVU accessory, a paper grocery bag. No handles. <laughs> no handles. <laughs> and the couple is running up the stairs to their home, and he enters the home with like he waves his wallet to some pad, and it's a keyless entry. And basically he explains there's a chip and he doesn't need a key and it's just easier that way and they split up the genders like we're in an orthodox temple the girls go put the groceries away and (laughs) bob and stabler um talk in the foyer about what's going on and they do a cut like we said like so we we bounce back from the girls chatting to the guys chatting and basically bob saget's like yep he was having an affair he had all these affairs but nothing like this one he loves this woman jen it's all about jen 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 and then we have naomi going oh they're the perfect couple we love them they're so great they're they're the example of what love is like so we're getting two stories of what is going on affair versus fairy tale and then Stabler keeps saying Danny because he's in love with Danny Beck. He can't get that kiss <laughs> off his mind, even though she was a terrible detective. So <laughs> she's gorgeous, though. Yeah, it's Connie Nielsen. I mean, it's definitely gorgeous. Um, I think she can take being hated from the SVU universe for a little bit. You're in Wonder Woman. Things are fine. So the stage manager, who's so butchy, is named Geneva, which I'm obsessed with. Um, I've never <laughs> heard the name Geneva in my life. She has a ponytail in the middle of her head, which is a classic lesbian ponytail style. Um, And she pulls off gray hair very, very well. And she's spilling the beans. She explains he's cheating all the time. He's fucking in the rafters. And this is another fantasy of mine. I would like to have sex like in a theater where the lights are. Oh, so scary, Lisa. You're such a risk taker. (laughs) Well, because they have rafters because I did learn lighting in high school and there's space and I would like to climb up in there. So anyways... (laughs) you'd like to shine your own light go on i don't know i'm trying to make a joke about lighting go on (laughs) um so geneva lets us know that from 8 to 9 30 there's a dinner break and at the night of the death um and now we're back at the medical examiner's office and melinda has a cute bun with a headband and she finds out that danielle was poisoned with a lethal dose of a chemical called dialdrin What happens is you rub this into someone's skin and it makes someone seizure. And the poisoning could not have happened more than 30 minutes before she collapsed. Then Munch comes in with some hardcore evidence that she is the moneymaker of this marriage. He needs her money. So he doesn't want to divorce her because then it's bye-bye dance studio and this fancy life. Because that's that's always the discussion. It's like, why don't you just divorce this person? Why does someone have to die so you can have an effect? Like, just right. divorce. Like, ugh. so... So then they go to the apartment and in Wesley's apartment, they find neoprene gloves, which I didn't even know. I had neoprene dresses. I didn't realize there's gloves. Yeah, just rubbery, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the poison is found in the apartment as well. And then while they're talking to Wesley about the poison being found in his apartment, Naomi walks in going, hello, my love. And we find out that the affair is incestuous as fuck. And it's Bob Saget's wife is having an affair with Bob's best friend. And their other best friend, Danielle, is dead. And she was lying to the cops. And this is a big twist. Is this SVU or is this a soap opera? I don't know. 
I don't know. This is huge. So this is like a love square almost. Yeah. And yeah. we find out that Wes only used the name Jen to talk to Glenn, a.k.a. Bob Saget, because he got off on telling Bob about it. So Wesley is a sick fuck. All right. Um, that's all we have to know about it. And... Naomi says there's no way he committed the murder because I was in the office with him when it happened. So they're fucking at Radialis while Danielle is being murdered. So it's a good alibi, but a secret. And then finally, we get some Casey action. Hello. Thank you. Um, Casey Novak walks on in and Bernadette Peters is there and she says, darling, and I'd like that to be my phone ringtone. I, it's, <laughs> I love the way she says, darling. But my phone's usually on silent. If you don't know who Bernadette Peters is, by the way, she's a like literally I know people told us to stop saying iconic, but she is a Broadway icon. She yeah. is literally took over Hello, Dolly after Bette Midler, like has been Broadway, Broadway, Broadway forever. She's got these tight curls and a high voice. And she's just like drag queens have done her on drag race like she is. She is the moment. <laughs> she's also a gay icon. Oh, I yes. think That's how I know her is through chats with. My pals, shout out to Brandon. He is her number one fan. I love how anybody that's like a Broadway diva would not be a gay icon like that. They're hand in hand. They're the same thing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's like Adina Menzel, also a gay icon. <laughs> oh, Adina. Okay. So Bernadette Peters is accusing the detectives of placing the poison in the apartment. And then she also then says, well, maybe it's the old tenant's poison. They've only lived in this apartment for eight months. And Stabler says, do the juries believe these fairy tales you make up? And she goes, I'm Tinkerbell. So that's amazing. I, I love that. It's an insane thing to think that somebody left an extremely rare and hard to get poison in an apartment that just so happened to be what killed your wife. Like, that's a crazy theory. It is. But then she has an incredible point where she says, were my client's fingerprints on the bottle? Right. And they weren't. Right. And that all of a sudden you're like, OK, Bernadette, that's why you get the big bucks. Well, it being planted is a completely val valid theory. It being left over from the previous <laughs> yes. tenants and you not noticing it for eight months is insane. <laughs> it, yeah, that is correct. Um, so suddenly we're at Homeland Security, which is insane. <laughs> The Homeland Security guy explains that you can buy this poison um, illegally, and it's been illegal in the state since 1987, the year I was born. And the Homeland Security guy is getting rock hard for Benson. He can he's just floored <laughs> by her beauty. He, you're not the only one enjoying that sexy business ponytail. He is into yeah. it. Wesley's name shows up from buying this poison from Japan. Holy shit. Um, sh and then he tries to ask her out and she shoots him down immediately and says, why don't you save your energy for fighting terrorists? What a serve. <laughs> so then Stabler gets a call. His son got suspended from school from fighting. Rage runs in the family. Why did they even add this suspension? It, it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, it doesn't. I think they maybe they're trying to establish a longer pattern of problems with Dickie because it comes into play like in later episodes. But I don't that, that that's my only guess. Yeah. So they're with Wesley and Wesley goes, someone forged my signature and stole my credit card, which seems far fetched. Yeah. You know, like, bro, you've committed this crime. So then Casey Stabler and Benson are walking in a hallway and this is maybe inappropriate, but Casey's cleavage is on fire here. And I do feel like a pervert, but I've never noticed her cleavage like this before. <laughs> 
Like they really made a point to. I didn't show notice them it off. either. Rewatch The Walking. It's okay, pr- it's like pretty wild to me. So Bob Saget runs into the precinct he, saying, oh, my God, I'm so, I've been so paranoid. My wife didn't come home last night. Um, did something happen to her? And they go, she's here. And he says, why would she be here? And they play right. You know, they play some games and they go, you need to talk to your wife. So they put Naomi and Bob Saget into a room and they watch the whole thing um, like the great detectives that they are. They're spying on the couple talking. Naomi explains she was feeling smothered. She's like, you didn't love me. You wanted to control me. He goes, I always didn't get why you picked me since, you know, you had all these artists and I'm a dork. And she goes, I loved you, but you wouldn't believe it. And your insecurity pushed me away. And um, he was like, so you turn to Wes, your own boss? Like, I don't want to eat, you know. Yeah, like you're disgusting. Yeah. Why are you so hack with your cheating? <laughs> yeah. um, so the detectives come in and she is a sucker. She said he was going to let her dance in two leads. Again, you're like 40. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to get called ageist and I understand. But I do believe in the dance world that ageism is a real thing. Even I in think sports. Be- yeah. When your body is the point, it's just like, it is what it is. There's very few athletes that can perform in multiple Olympics forever and stuff. Maybe <laughs> shoot it, shooting or archery, but right. like once even basketball players, football players, it's not even a sexist thing. It's truly your, your bones are old. What do you want <laughs> okay, us to we, do? <laughs> we gotta, we gotta move on. But I did see a video on the internet of a 91-year-old German woman uh, doing gymnastics at a festival. So we'll post that video up there okay. because she was incredible. <laughs> I, I take back everything. She was killing it on the on the bars. Okay. So then out of nowhere, Naomi starts not to be able to breathe and she collapses. So uh, of course you're like, did she have what Danielle had? What the fuck is going on? Um, If you're playing a drinking game, this is the episode to watch. Benson does scream. I need a bus. And then we find this is like so minor details, but I love it. Maybe it's because we watch this too much, but Benson gave up soda and Stabler started to wear jeans. So if you were wondering when, the, what happened, it's know. like so much has changed since they took like a few months apart from each other that they're just like yeah. learning. They're reconnecting. Yeah. Um, Naomi has a genetic condition that fucks with her liver and her liver is slowly deteriorating. Also, she had an unsterile injection of an RFID chip and there's an infection in her shoulder and Naomi has no idea who put it in her. And guess what? The detectives have a fucking idea. So we learn that Glenn has been tracking her. So he knows about the affair and it's not a surprise at all. He is an actor like most killers are. They're very incredible actors. Um, He is a tech guy, so he knows how to get poison off the Internet and do all these fancy schmancy games so they're in the interrogation and i don't know but bob saget might be the only person that got this treatment but benson grabs his face and like turns it and they're having at him and he's acting cocky like you're too dumb to even understand my technology and stabler makes a very 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 funny face i would like to get a screenshot of that and frame it uh forever and ever he also he also can i just say makes that makes a point of saying in 15 years Everyone's going to have this technology. Yeah. Um, And then uh, tech Ruben Morales figures all this out for us. So 
basically there's a reader at the Shields home door that we saw earlier. And then Bob Saget put one at the dance studio and at Wes and Danielle's apartment. And then he implanted the chip into Naomi's arm. And that would let him know when she arrived and left any of those checkpoints. That's so fucked up. He was spying on her, this whole thing. And all the data was uploaded onto this handheld tech Palm Pilot thing. Then Munch, of course, comes in with some spyware chats. Big brother, what's going on? Okay. But he doesn't know yet that his wife's in the hospital and hurt because of this chip. Um, But when he does find out, they take him on a field trip. And now he feels so sick, guilty, and sad. He breaks down. He says, I'll tell you everything. Just please let me see her. And his lower lip is whimpering. He is really acting it up. His lower lip is quivering, I think, right? What did I say? You said whimpering. He's whimpering. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if a lip can whimper, but... It, you know, I don't know. It's just crazy that I've had a job as a comedian for so long and truly don't know words or you do know words. You know words really well. You just I think thanks mom sometimes. (laughs) My brain is too fast. I think Um, your misnomers are my favorite thing. <laughs> I just get too excited. Yeah, your brain does go too fast. I think that's what it is. You're too quick of a thinker. We do have to share. We did get one negative review for the pod uh, where people said, you're a little too excited about this. And it's like, well, we are. <laughs> we love doing this. <laughs> we're obsessed with this show. I'm sorry. We're too excited that our dreams came true. Um, So the chip has been in Naomi's shoulder for three weeks. He drugged her tea before bed. He didn't mean to hurt her. He just wanted to control and spy her. That's not love, everybody. Control is not love. Get out of these controlling relationships. Holy shit. She is like dying in front of him. Code blue, code blue. She goes into shock. Benson is like, you need to confess or you're about to be charged with two murders and there's nothing we can do to help you. That's a classic cop lie. And... Bob Saget says, Wesley took the love of my life, so I took his and I killed Danielle. I followed her. I pretended to bump into her on accident and put the poison on her. Wesley arrives at the hospital and Bob and him get into a scuffle and the scuffle looks hysterical. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they're also not sad. Like your wife has been murdered. How are you this jolly and smug and walking around? I just, I don't understand. Well, Wesley's a full piece of shit. We, we realize that. Yeah. So he, yeah, he's being mean to the detectives. He goes, thanks for bagging the right guy and screw you and this and that. Uh, And then he tells Bob Saget, like, oh, you're going to try to kill Naomi. They're having this crazy fight. Punches and gauze equipment go flying in the air. And then he turns full nerd, Bob, and is breathing so heavy and scared on the ground. We're back at the the precinct and Casey Novak is pissed as hell. She's like, you took the suspect on a field trip. The confession might be thrown out. What are you? rusty on your first case back and stabler goes hey you're out of line and she goes what's your excuse I, I mean i love this interaction so much long blonde hair we have casey at her best so then benson goes are you done with this character assassination and casey says are you done flushing my case down the toilet i mean this is so heated and amazing and This gets so tricky. I mean, it's like the episode's about to end. How do we get another fucking screwdriver in this? But um, her liver is failing in the hospital and the only match 
is Bob Saget, who is now in jail and in custody. But they need to get him out so he can donate his liver because she only has 48 hours to live if she does not get the liver. But this is going to be really hard to do. And Casey shoves it in their face a little more where if you didn't fucking arrest him, guess what? He could have given a liver right now. And now we're in this fucking predicament. But that's like so insane because how could they have ever known that she was going to need a liver transplant and he was a match? It's like you shouldn't have arrested him. Like he confessed to a full murder. No, Casey's a bitch. I mean, uh, yeah, she's a bitch. But Benson does look guilty. It works. And they're at this commissioner's office and he's like, no way, you're crazy. And I don't know if we have a lot of King of the Hill fans here, but he looks and sounds exactly like Cotton Hale, Hank's dad from the show. (laughs) Like vibe, everything. This is the most perfect character ever. I'm obsessed with him. Um, And he's been in 30 episodes of The Wire. You might recognize him. His name is Al Brown. He starts saying how there was a guy who was going to get a liver to his son after being locked up and he escaped and there's all this. There's begging, pleading, ah, what's going to happen? It sets, a, it sets a dangerous precedent that now killers are going to constantly be like, oh, I'm going to give a I'm going to give a lung. I'm going to give a kidney. I'm going to get, you know, whatever. And they, you know, are allowed to get out and possibly fuck shit up. Yeah. Um, but they allow it. The surgery happens. We're really happy about this. I feel like I want Naomi to live a good life. She does not deserve this, even though she's a cheater. Then Benson goes, visits her. There's flowers. And Benson says, oh, are those from Wes? Wes has not even called her. Um, those flowers are from her mother. She asks the detectives to tell Glenn. Thank you. Um, but I am so mad that Wes didn't even see how she's doing. That is... I mean, I think we could tell by his reaction to his wife's death, which was like barely a tear, that he was like not going to really care about his mistress's recovery from liver surgery. What a bad guy. No, he's bad. Alice goes under. Then Benson and Stabler are having a cute little moment at the elevators and they figure out that they're both a positive blood types. And in the elevator, Stabler says, I'd give you a kidney. And Benson goes, not if I give you mine first. That's cute. Great ending. It's literally such a moment. I think that's like in the top 10 moments with them. Yeah. Thank you, Dick Wolf. That was a nice, a nice little ending. Happy about that. And like, you're kind of like left at the end being like, okay, they're back on. Their chemistry's back on. They're fully now committed to donating organs to each other. We're back, you know? Yeah. But I'm glad that they let there be a little bit of awkwardness because it is weird. Like they have these weird complex feelings towards each other and stuff. And he's away from his wife now, but then he kind of fell in love with her replacement and like, or mini love. I don't know if it was a full love, but, and you know, it is going to be a little bit weird the first day back, but then I think we'd probably find out that episode 10 of this season, they're probably fully back in the saddle together. You made the, uh, you made a funny noise with your hand and fist there. <laughs> I made it sound like they're banging. Yeah, um, you sure did. You guys yeah. tell me if I'm crazy, but I do have a theory and I just want to hear your thoughts on it that I got as you were uh-huh. talking. There's a lot of arm stuff in this. They put the poison on the girl's arm. The guy's arm is in a sling. They put the chip in the arm. And radialis is a muscle of the human forearm that acts to flex and radially abduct the hand. And I was like, maybe this is the, all no, arm-based. Do you think the writer's room was even thinking about that? Yep, absolutely. And what season is this? We're going to fucking find we gotta out. We got to learn about if they had an arm theme. <laughs> This seems like the kind of question we're going to ask Neil Bear, and he's going to go, That's, what yes. the fuck are you talking about? No, I think this is totally, this is totally SVU playing games Every single thing this had is, an, every scene had an arm in it. Yeah. 
I I think this theory is 100% correct. Interesting. We'll have to find out. Well, we will be right back to talk about uh, some of the real life details. Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s, like lavish estates and gardens. And of course, little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deep deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough, you can make it into the detective club. And there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them, which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. And we are back. Um, So this episode is a little bit different because this is not I wish that somebody had almost killed their cheating wife by implanting an RFID chip in them. But unfortunately, that has not happened in real life. But this does have some real life inspirations that I wanted to talk about because I just think it's a very interesting topic. And um, and it's not even though it's not necessarily super crimey, but I think you guys will be into it. So Bob Saget's character is very clearly based off of a guy named Amal Grofstra who is a self-described technologist and he is an RFID implantee. So he has himself implanted multiple RFID chips in his body. Um, multiple. Multiple. He, I think he has two. For a technologist, I have to tell you that he has a very bad website. Amal, if you're listening, you really need to get Squarespace or something because it is really bad. Um, it's just amal.net, but he is huge in the, he is literally Bob Saget's character. He is the guy that's like, in 15 years, we're all going to be doing this. I think it's really interesting. And the reason I sort of pointed out that Bob Saget's character says that in 15 years, we're all going to be using these is because that episode is from exactly 16 years, 15 years ago. And we are not using RFID chips. Like it is not commonplace, but it, it, they are being used. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how they are being used. So now I think initially people misunderstand what RFID chips are versus like a GPS tracker. These are not trackers where you can just like log onto your phone and see where somebody is. That's GPS. That's totally different. RFID chips are like how you explained they can they only can be activated when they are near a reader of some kind. So like you explained, Bob Saget put one at his wife's house and at her dance studio and at her lover's house. Like they can only read things when they're near their readers, essentially. That's the only time the chip like activates, but they don't need to be charged. You can leave them in, I think, forever and that they can have um, medical information on them, personal information, kind of any 
like a medical ID bracelet. Yeah, exactly. Like micro, like honestly, it's like chipping a dog. Like if you chip your dog, I don't believe you can just like go on an app and be like, my dog's in Central Park losing its virginity. Like you basically, you can, you can, you can. Maybe it's not an RFID chip. Maybe it's a, dif- a different chip. But my parents' neighbor, who's amazing, he has cats that go around town, and sometimes, like if they don't come back at night, he'll go on his app on his phone and be like, "Oh, she, you know, he's over there." Maybe that's been approved for dogs and cats, but like that's not what these chips do. That's not what these yeah. RFID chips do. They're really just and this for, cat's like- really funny. He harasses the whole neighborhood. Like he will jump into cars, and then when you open your car door, he's just waiting for you. And- <laughs> your car (laughs) he's really funny (laughs) um so i wanted to also mention that there is another episode of svu from i believe 2009 or 2010 called locum starring queen joan cusack where they do an rfid chip in their daughter as well that is you know has all her medical information and her name and everything on it as well but I'm a little confused about the technology because they act like that's to keep track on where she is. But then in the episode, she gets lost and they can't find her. So I think it's more like the reading. Um, They can see when she comes and goes from the house. So these RFID chips became approved for implantation in humans in 2004. Okay. And in 2005, Amal and his girlfriend, Jennifer Tomlin, they they got some notoriety and they were kind of written up in a few articles because they were both implanted with RFID chips like as a couple. And it kind of gives them information about each other as well, which they were ta- they explained that like, oh, if we ever break up, it's easy to take each other off of each other's access lists or just remove the chip in general. Like these chips are the size of a grain of rice. So they can literally be shot into you the same way almost as like a vaccination or any other shot. But why? Why? Well, here's why. Let me just let me just explain a little bit more. So unlike the episode, these chips almost always go into the hand. Almost everybody that has these chips, they're like, from what I've read, like 99% of the time, they're in the people's hands. So the shoulder is maybe part of our theory about <laughs> what radialis means and everything. But um, they use them to open the door to their house, to log on to their computer. It's easier than remembering passwords. You never lose your key. You never lose your ID. You don't feel it at all. It has like no, it doesn't interact with your biology at all. So at the time that these two people did it, Amal uh, Grofstra and his girlfriend, Jennifer, only 30 people in the world had voluntarily had these chips put in their hands. So they were part of a very small group, but they thought, thought just like Saget's character that in 15 years, everyone's going to be doing this. And the only people now who have been microchipped are QAnon people in their delusional dreams. Wait, the QAnon people have been chipped? Oh, because of vaccine. The QAnon people think the QAnon people think that the COVID vaccine is a ruse being used to microchip all of us so that we can be tracked and that Bill Gates is behind all of it. It's been obviously completely debunked. Our sources have many articles about its debunking. No, my favorite response to that that I've seen on the internet is people like, if you use cell phones, we know where you are at all times. Yeah. Like your credit card information, your calendar, your steps, your maps, your miles. I mean, for some reason, one of my old salons that I used to frequent popped into my brain yesterday. And I was like, oh, I wonder how they're all doing. And I typed it in and Google said, you were here seven years ago. 
Yeah. Like Google remembered I was at that salon seven (laughs) fucking years ago. So this idea that they need to vaccinate us when we're free and willing and putting apps, you know, right. I'm obsessed with filters and what celebrity. Oh, did I, you know, when that, that game was like, what celebrity you look like with your face? I got fucking Ted Cruz. What? And that's so rude. Yeah. They said I look like Ted Cruz, which I think is fucking rude. Like, it's rude and it's not true. Thank you. But I, the, I mean, it ruined. Ruined my it ruined my mood for a little while <laughs> to be said I look like That's Ted insane. Cruz and it was on New Year's Eve I was in San Francisco New Year's Eve like oh what celeb do I look like this will be fun and then it was Ted Cruz and then three two one like it was such a sad New Year's <laughs> ring in the new year with your alter ego of Ted Cruz that's terrible um so Amal and Jennifer, which by the way, this is all this, their coverage of this was from 2006. I cannot find anything. Amal is still very much in the, the chip game. I cannot find anything about Jennifer anymore. And I can't tell if they're together anymore. So who knows if they've taken each other off each other's chip lists, but um, they were a very happily chipped couple in 2006. And yeah, they talked to like ABC news about how the procedure doesn't hurt. It doesn't interact with our bodies. It can only be used for the purposes that we decide on. And it can't be used to track our movements or keep tabs on us because it only has a range of a couple of feet, like from the reader. Again, I ask, then why? Because what they're they talking get about it? they're they're talking about how like they just don't like carrying anything. They don't want to carry keys. They don't want to care that like Let me get into it because in Sweden, they're doing this and people are using it for different things. So first of all, the chips are very inexpensive, apparently, and can be ordered online starting at $30, which is that's a pretty good price point. Um, And then this is all from 2006. Like I said, no idea what's going on with Jennifer in 2017. So flash forward, like almost a decade where there's not that much information about who's using these chips. A small company in Wisconsin said they were going to chip all their 50 employees. And in Sweden... 3,000 people have done it. That was in 2017. By 2018, 4,000 Swedish people had done it. So I think the point of the small company in Wisconsin is like, hey, would you guys do it? Then we don't have to give you badges. You don't have to ever remember a password. You can just log in. You can get into certain rooms with your clearance or whatever based on your chip. And a lot of these people are like, yeah, whatever. It's the same thing as having in the episode, Bob Saget has a key card in his wallet. And so they're basically saying, take a tiny size of rice key card and put it under your skin. They're talking about how the barrier of entry is just your skin. And that's what freaks a lot of people out. Yes, that seems fair. That seems fair to put things under your skin is fair. So um, a Nevada lawmaker recently introduced legislation that would ban RFID chips in human bodies. And on the Senate floor, uh, State Senator Becky Harris said she had ethical concerns um, there's no cryptology. Okay, I'm sorry. Nevada, Las Vegas, everything's fucking legal. Yeah. There. This is where you're going to draw <laughs> of the places. line of all places. It's really funny. Um, well, I think it's because they might not understand the technology. Like they're saying that there's no protection measures in place and like, and, and it's possible to hack the information that's in the chip. So not necessarily find somebody, but to hack their information, like get their social security or maybe like medical information that they have on their chip. If you, Get your chip close enough to a reader that can hack it. Like, who knows? That is, those are possibilities. What are people in Sweden doing with these chips? So the Swedish program, yeah, by 2018, 4,000 people had chipped themselves in Sweden. Their largest train company has actually allowed commuters to use chips instead of tickets. So now no Metro card, no bullshit with your wallet. Just put your hand on a, over a reader and you're on the train. 
I'm just saying I, I can see this being something in the future that people would do. I think it's it's only the implantation that bothers people, but we can talk about it more. Um, yeah, why can't I have a bracelet? Yeah, I guess you could lose it. Someone could steal it. Like there's all these things, you know, oh, like yeah. this would be like your this would truly be like it's only you that could do it, you know, because think about it. We're already at clear scanning eyeballs like people are already doing biometric stuff. This is just an implantation that's taking it, I guess, a little step further. So, you know, they're talking about how in Sweden they want to eventually make it so that you can do payments with like like it'll be almost the same as having like a credit card that taps, you know. Like you go to get gas, you go to get fucking a burger and you just like wave your hand in front of a reader. When I was in the UK a couple of years ago, there was a head of the US in those terms. And so everyone was scanning and I did not have the tap yet on my card. And every bartender and restaurant was so livid with me. <laughs> they were just like, oh, American. And they had to like swipe it because everyone was just tapping. And my card just wasn't a tap yet. I tried to tap the other day at a liquor store and... It didn't even work. So that shit's not even always working the right way. But um, basically, this guy, Grofstra, who is like the chip guy, he he runs a company called Dangerous Things and this other company that's trying to sell people, you know, the chips. He says a well-designed implant is frictionless, managementless and becomes a part of who you are. The only problem people have is a skin barrier. And somehow that's blasphemous. So that's like an interesting that's like his thing. It's, I think it's sort of interesting to consider. And some people wonder, is this the new Google Glass? Is this the kind of thing that people think people want, but they really don't? And I mean, Google Glass was my favorite punchline of the time. So I do love to make fun of Google Glass. But I just like this guy who's like, oh, and people are just scared of having things inside of their body. <laughs> and it's like, it is kind of shocking. But people are going and getting fucking breast implants and calf implants. This is the size of a piece of rice. And it yeah. would make it so that if you went to the hospital, people would immediately know your blood type. They'd immediately know your medical problems They'd, or, or, or issues, you know, like. I don't know. I'm literally playing devil's advocate. I'm not saying I would get one. I'm just No, you like, convinced me. I'll you know, get a chip tomorrow. I, <laughs> Lisa and I are off to Sweden. Um, <laughs> it's like an IUD though. Oh yeah. yeah I do have an IUD. Think of all the things we have floating around in our bodies at all times. I mean, I'll just say this in Indiana in February. So I think that there was some legislation going on with this right before coronavirus hit in February of 2020 that maybe has been slowed down now. Um, Indiana is attempting to pass a bill that would ban businesses from mandating it the way like, you know, they can't say, hey, we microchip people here. And if you say, I don't want to do that, you can't get fired, which that makes sense. I think if you can, you should have the right to not get microchipped if you don't want to. And if that bill was to pass, Indiana would join four other states that outlaw the mandatory microchipping for employees. Seven states um, ban mandatory microchipping for any human. I couldn't figure out which states they were, but uh, apparently Tennessee is about to join that. And Iowa and New Jersey are about to do the one that uh, outlaws mandatory microchipping for employees. So that's all my information about all this microchipping. I think it's really it's an interesting ethical conversation. It's an interesting technology conversation. Wait, did you have the articles about the animals dying from the chipping or no? No, because it's just like a different process. It's a different thing. Got it. One thing to add, though, is there were articles about saying we could use these for patients who have Alzheimer's and dementia. Right. So if anyone gets lost, you can help them find their way home or where they mm -hmm. live. That's a good that's a good point, too. I mean, to me, it's it's it, the problem with it lies in a lot of the misinformation about the fact that it is not trackable by GPS like this kind of specific thing. I think what it is, is that it has to be a bigger chip and that people wouldn't feel comfortable having that in their bodies. Maybe they feel comfortable putting that in their in their pets. But the one that's an RFID is the size of a piece of rice. 
And that's the one that like, it does not track your movements. It just carries information. And like in the episode, it's not the chip that made Naomi sick. It was the dirty needle that yeah. he used because he just he just didn't sterilize the needle. But this guy became vocal and had his chip inserted like months before this episode came out. So it's very clear that this is like who they based it on. And they just had to obviously make it sexy and give it a crime and everything. So um, people are talking about how this would open the door to more invasive implantable technology. Like I think people are already doing a lot of wearable tech and now like implantable tech is like a whole new frontier. And I mean, technically they talk about how this could put an end to human trafficking. If every single person got this put into them, let's say at birth, you could never sell a child overseas if they could be microchipped or they could be, you know, identified at any time as with their real identity and who their parents are. Wow. We wouldn't have the problem at the border we have with these kids not being able to find their parents. Wow. Which is a problem we caused, but, you know, our government. But it's just interesting. But then it's, you know, then it's also kind of like, yeah, there are other issues like hacking it and and people misusing it. And there there's always a way that people abuse technology and stuff. So. That could also work against you of if someone was, if a country was not stable and there was a form of slavery. Right. Then you could track it someone the opposite right. way. Right. Exactly. I think what we're learning is that humans are the worst part of anything. <laughs> of yeah. all technology or inventions. I was going to make a joke that... um the true leaders of implanting things into your body are the ones that turn themselves into lizards and stuff. Oh yeah. The like body, body modification. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which there is an SVU episode about, which I'm sure we'll cover at some point. Oh, I can't wait to fall. Yeah. Steve Brady, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, a big reason that we wanted to cover this episode is because of our guest. Uh, that was, I mean, the episode's great. Microchips are great, but I think, yeah, I think we all know what we really wanted out of this episode. And we are going to talk to our guest right now. Okay, guys, it's time for our interview and we are not going to disappoint you yet again. We have one of the funniest stand-up comedians, the host of America's Funniest Home Videos, the host of a podcast, Bob Saget's here for you. Danny Tanner himself from Full House. Guys, check out our interview with Bob Saget. Were you a fan of the show or yeah. did they? Okay, you were. I've known Mariska a really long time. So I know her through Jonathan Silverman, but way before she got the show. Wow. We went to a concert once together. We went and saw um, The Wallflowers. Oh, wow. fun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> One headlight. I've always uh, thought really well of her and... When I did the show, uh, she was there with her husband and he was holding their baby in, a, in, a, in the frontal pouch. <laughs> the, the, I, I never had one of those when I had kids. Oh, the I, little baby Bjorn? <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a Bjorn, but I, uh, I just held my kid. But it's a smart move. And did you want to be a criminal? Yeah, I've always been cast against type, you know, against when you do a series People think that's who you are, you know, and that's good. You know, it's a nice thing to entertain one group of an audience. But then I was always punching out of the box with my stand up. I was always edgy and strange and not in a mean way, but sometimes little fake gruff. But then when I would get cast and stuff or I'm on 
even on a show like Entourage, I would do a version of myself, but that's not a very up with people kind of guy. He was a lascivious and kind of gross uh, version, <laughs> but he had my name. So that's not good. But it was really funny. <laughs> it, it was, it was fun. I did it a bunch and it was a different time, but doing the one that I did in New York and it was the, the whole original cast. And I went out with Chris for lunch and, you know, everything was kind of, it was before he left the show, obviously, and things were kind of nice. I didn't get to be with Richard Belzer, who I'd known for a long time. But the, the funniest part was I was in um, Ice's room. That was my dressing room, was his dressing room. So his wife's pictures everywhere. <laughs> Coco. <laughs> and it was Coco was everywhere. It was so gracious of him to let me... Uh, be in there and I didn't touch anything. I was so scared. And he's got awards and this beautiful stuff in there and pictures of her everywhere. So I was, I just study my lines. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun to play. When I read that, it was very well written, you know, and it was one that they went, Oh, well, no, we're stunting this one. And it had Chris Sarandon and Bernadette Peters. And my wife was um, Catherine Bell. So, I mean, it was really a hilarious kind of story. I mean, you know, the computer chip. Yeah. And I got to have a little fight, got to punch Chris Sarandon. Yeah. Not a little fight, giant fight. There was like gauze and tools everywhere. Yeah. It was really quite fun. Did you have body doubles? No, you just uh, fall out of frame. If I recall, you do the punch, you know, you do it past the nose and just do one of those. Not like that. That would be, that would be on zoom. But uh, yeah, I fell on a mat. <laughs> he fell on a mat. I don't know. We didn't have doubles. We were in the hallway there at the hospital. My, I really loved the scene with uh, Catherine uh, a lot. That was like very sweet. You know, my stupid apology for putting a, comp- I don't want to, I can spoil yeah, alert, your right? Character yeah, because like, oh, yeah. your character like does fully murder someone, but then he <laughs> accidentally puts his wife in danger and like feels bad about it. So it's, you're, you're a very, compl- you're a multi-layered character in this. I actually like that because a lot of the, you know, when I'd watch the show sometimes, the key to the show, one of the coolest things about it are the quick cuts that you're getting kind of bullet points of the story. You don't need to hear a five minute dialogue scene at this moment. We're just going to go, did you talk to her? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you're somewhere else and they're just walking down the street trying to figure it out. And, and Mariska and, and at, at that time, Chris are just, you know, eating up the lines and making it what it was, which is a show that won't go away. I mean, is it weird or how does it feel that like so many people have fully grown up on you and then we've got to meet you and stuff. But my family, we came from Russia, so we didn't speak English. So America's uh, Funniest Home Videos was like the best foreign entertainment that you can get. And Full House, <laughs> I watched every single day. Like, how do you? You're from Russia? Yeah. From you Ukraine. spoke Russia. Ukraine. I, I was yeah. in Ukraine. I shot a show for A&E there and I helped guys get mail order brides in Odessa. In the show. In the show. Odessa's wow. where I'm from. That's why. But it wasn't as, it was a reality show. It was, it was, it was a comedy documentary show. I, we did it. Oh my God. Wow. I want to watch that. And, but no, but it's not, that's not viewable. The series was called Strange Days and we okay. aired six of them. The first one ended up me being in a motorcycle club which I joined, which was very scary and interesting. And I, everyone was a different sub, subculture. Um, 
I went to Vegas with Jeff Ross. I went to camp with 14-year-old kids. I just did all different kinds of stuff. It was really quite wonderful. And then now my niece and nephews are watching old episodes. Like, you've, it's just like so many generations know who you oh, are. Oh, Full House is never going away, ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. It's so funny. I talk to people and they'll say, "Would you, well, I'll be I'm working on a couple projects. And an agent or the head of a network or studio will say to me, would you please get off my television? I can't take it anymore. My kids are now, <laughs> my kids are nine and 11. I can't stand it because that's the show for them. That's yeah. what they like. Um, speaking of Full House, though, have you seen John Stamos's episode of SVU that he did? Of course. Of course. I've seen it. <laughs> there's like- nothing There's nothing John Stamos has done that I have not seen. <laughs> Every time he's been on Broadway, I have been there several times. Every time I've been on Broadway, he's been there six, seven times. He is. He was at Bonnaroo when you were there. Like, yeah, he wasn't I brought, performing. And I was pissed because I worked my ass off in that tent. And I'm dripping sweat and he comes out at the end and gets a standing ovation. And I'm like, I just worked so hard and all he did was pose. No, the effect he has on people is what like he you I think you or Jeff brought him to the cellar one time and it didn't matter what age, men, women, gay, straight, like everyone just fell apart. I'd never seen anything like it. And he's got a new series that's going to be on Disney Plus and David E. Kelly is the executive oh. producer and he is... I'm trying to remember, he's in school and he's a teacher. It looks really, really good. And he's just, you know, he's my brother. I mean, I just, he's he's amazing. He's such a good person. I I just did a benefit as I do every year. And we did a virtual benefit for the Scleroderma Research Foundation because I lost a sister to it. I've been working with, I'm on the board, but I've been doing it for 30 years, doing these benefits. And we did a big virtual one and we raised a million point one virtually with an event and john just did a zoom with me with a family and the little girl has scleroderma and she's she's nine and she's so beautiful the whole family's lovely and we're doing another one where he's going to read a story to kids he's just a guy who's always done so much charitable stuff when we did full house he would and fuller house he would bring around all the make-a-wish kids and starlight and he really I've always done philanthropic stuff because it's a gift to be able to even have a job in this business. But he has, has, um, he really is big hearted. A lot of comedy people of your generation have done SVU. A lot of your pals, I feel like outside of John, any high, any episodes that you remember, or did you guys ever chat about your SVU times? (laughs) No, it's weird. (laughs) We don't, we don't. But I think the the key to the show is they know that a lot of comedians are good actors, you know, a, a lot of them. Well, I mean, I think what's also interesting is that you have these you have people like, you know, people think of you as one way, like you're this like sort of dad, funny dad figure on the show. And then you come on and you're a bad guy. And same with John Stamos. He's uncle Jesse He comes on and he's like this bad guy or Martin short was like a complete psychopath. Like, you know, I think it kind of unnerves people to have their, their favorite sort of like funny people kind of topped on their head a little bit. It's actually a thin line, as you know, it, yeah. it really, it really <laughs> is. I mean, a person that goes up and does stand up properly, um, has a very dark side. Oh, yes. We're all psychopaths. Um. Who do you think was more <laughs> fucked up, your character or John Stamos's character? Well, he had to get people pregnant, right? That was his deal. <laughs> yeah. So I almost wish I would have had that part. I mean, either way. <laughs> 
This episode is coming out on 420. So we wanted to see if you would be down. a magical day. A magical day. (laughs) We wanted to see if you would be down with answering a couple of um, weed-related questions. Of course. There's actually a lot of weed named after me, and I don't like it. I get no money from it. I am not a sponsor. There is Bob Saget Sativa. If you just Google marijuana and my name, it's... It's not good. You guys got to give Bob his money. Come on. I don't want the money. When did you become a famous pothead? Because Entourage. <laughs> well, you... I was in um, Half-Baked. While I was directing Dirty Work, oh, I was right. in Dave Chappelle's Half-Baked. And right. I said that I, you know, did what I did for Coke. Um, I don't know if you remember, but it was. <laughs> yes. It's a lot of this. Look up the meme. It'll explain it. <laughs> yes. Um, but that that traveled. So, Yeah. <laughs> And Rodney Dangerfield, who was a friend, uh, actually have his pot pipe in the other room. But I, I'm not a smoker. I wasn't when my early 20s. I went through a couple of years of it. But then I wanted to get more done. So I, <laughs> but I look, I look at like, you know, certain people, like Seth Rogen, I can't imagine how he gets so much done because he's a genius and he's able to be buzzed. It's just so great. So. Oh, so yeah. go ahead. What were your pot questions? 420, well, it's if a you're big not deal. Smoking. Well, if you're not smoking, <laughs> we were just going to kind of ask you, like, you know, what's your favorite way to smoke and what's your favorite conspiracy theory Oh, I, I have those answers. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Yeah, ask away. Ask away. Well, I have all the answers. Well, let's do, like, what's your favorite meal when you're fucked up? Like, what do you crave? Um, that's a, usually, it's the after meal would be the hamburger, you know. Yeah. But edibles are a problem because I had a problem once where... I have done edibles in the past 10 years. And one time I went to this bakery shop on Santa Monica that had amazing edibles, really good food. And I was dating somebody a long time ago and I was really hungry. And you don't eat an edible and be really hungry. No, and I, I made ate, that mistake before as well. I ate half a chocolate cake and <laughs> I couldn't move. I was in body prison. And then when I started to get my senses back said, let's keep our robes on and go to the Beverly Hills hotel. (laughs) Uh, That was my inspired idea. But um, yeah, that's why I don't like that inspiration anymore. Wait, Bob, we wanted to ask you about the mass singer. We wanted to know about that experience. Yes. Was that fun? <laughs> and you were the squiggly monster. Did you yes. choose to be the squiggly monster? Yes. Did they give you that? I had a I had a choice. I've never told anybody this. I had a choice between being, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I had a choice between another character that someone else played. I don't want to say it because that person might get mad. But I chose squiggly because uh, that's actually him, right? There. I see. It. Oh, yeah. And because the eyes looked like boobs and they were everywhere. And I, I thought the eyes were going to roll around, but they said, no, they're fixed. But the head was like 30 pounds. And so I'm inside this and it's COVID time, right? So precautions are insane. I'm getting tested all the time. Right. You're not near anyone. I've come in with a sweatshirt that says, don't talk to me. I've got a hoodie on, I've got mask and a visor. No one can see it's me. I don't see any of the other characters. And then I'm glad you brought up 420. Um, And then they have us in a lineup and I didn't know it was like a competition. I mean, I knew the show, but I thought I came out. I sang the first time I sang, have you ever seen the rain by Credence, John Fogarty and yeah. 
I did well. I was happy with it. I've been asked to do the show over the years, and I always would say no. And then, you know, it's COVID. I got nothing to do. I got to entertain. <laughs> they said, you want to do a mass Singer? I said, yes. It was, like a, it was like unbelievable that I just, I was dying to do it and do anything. And I was protected. And I didn't think, I, I thought I was going to win. <laughs> so they had me on one more. I sang Satisfaction. I did that fairly well. And then I got de-headed. They, you know, they, they yelled, Nick Cannon and everybody else, take it off, take it off. And Ken Jong's a friend of mine. Robin Thicke's a friend of mine. I've known him forever. And not forever, but a long time. And I couldn't talk to them about it. It was really weird because I was doing a show with Ken called I Can See Your Voice, his other show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our so I did a couple that. of, uh, right, fun show, uh, COVID craziness, precautions, and Ken was saying, you should do Mass Singer. Come on as a judge or something. I went, no, I don't think so, Ken. I'm really busy. And he's texting me this, and he doesn't know that I am you're, on it that You're the week. squiggly monster. Exactly. <laughs> and then the freaky part is I'm in a lineup with these, with mushroom, jellyfish, broccoli. I looked to my left. I swear to God, it was like, I thought I was on acid. I didn't know what. <laughs> it was the most stone moment of my life. I just could barely turn my head. And I see these creatures in the Star Wars bar next to me. A Star Wars bar mixed with Disneyland parade. And I don't know. I, I didn't like it. And I was looking, they were looking at me. I was looking at them. We were trying to figure out who's in there. But it was a really, I actually loved it. Okay, that was amazing. We are both huge Bob Saget fans. And though we've met him before, this was more two-on-one time with him than we've had. What's wild about someone like him is he's been in all of our lives for decades. So even if, he means more to us than we do to him. Of so, course. Of course. Like every moment I've ever seen him, I'm, it's emblazed <laughs> in my brain. And he's like, I'm probably accosted 800 times a day by everyone that thinks I'm their daddy. Yeah. <laughs> with, with, Everybody th yeah, that's so true. Everyone's obsessed. I mean, that's what's so cool about, you know, TV and movies. You you grow up with it. SVU forever. Yeah. But I didn't add that. I forgot to talk about this in the intro. So uh, not. What is it? Non sequitur? Not non sequitur when it's like not kosher, not the reg. We're going to do a little twist on the postmodern. Unorthodox. Okay, yes. As a Jew, I can't believe you didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I should watch that show. Um, but Maloney's ass is now mainstream. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you're listening to this, chances are you sent us his butt. We've received many, many messages from you guys. That's not a read. We love it. Keep sending his butt. But it's multiple angles. It's like memes. It's different. It's artistic renderings. I mean. Because it's not SVU people. Like yes. Every gay man in my phone, I've gotten a text about No, for sure. I mean, and now, yeah, it's like on BuzzFeed. It's like all, it's crazy. It's, it's a tipping point. Yeah. And <laughs> SVU is obviously mainstream. It's been on NBC for 21 seasons sure. but there's it it's like uh fever it's ass fever i mean it's maloney ass fever and he's like totally being such a good sport about it like people are tweeting him like where'd you get all that cake and he's like well i'm a big boy and i'm 60 <laughs> or like I mean, he's just like he's just being really cute and then like Cher's tweeting about it i mean i think when Cher is doing one of her all caps questionable grammar tweets about your butt and your acting Actually, she was just commenting on his acting, but I think we know what the subtext was. Yeah. I mean, share. That's cool. I That's cool. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was just a side note to let you guys know that we are fully aware of Maloney Buttgate and it's all it's all happening. Yeah. What did I learn from this episode? Like before you date, 
a guy get him mentally checked out like you know that boyfriend the best friend boyfriend gray-haired man was just like didn't care about anything oh, well he didn't care his wife was dead he didn't care his girlfriend was having surgery but both of these women were in committed loving relationships with him it's like yeah everyone's a psychopath i don't know how anyone dates ever it's so scary you could be with someone that's not even going to shed a tear when you're dead yeah and is using you for money to keep your dance studio alive yeah. like it's just twisted can't even throw a couple tulips your way when you've had a life-saving liver surgery it's a little nuts if i meet someone that i'm into i I'm getting, I'm hiring a full Lexus Nexus background check. Yeah. 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 That's a great idea. But the guy didn't have a criminal past. He's just an asshole. I don't know what you would find in a background check. Other girlfriends that are like, yeah, he sucks. No, I mean, private. I follow him. Oh, follow him. Give you like a full. Maybe. Well, it's kind of like the Seinfeld Jujubes. Is that what? Not Jujubes. Juji fruits. (laughs) Jujubee is a grown woman. No, but Jujubee is the candy. I think they were calling them Juju Fruits in the show. Juju bees are a candy. No, I think Juju Juju Bee is a drag queen and Juju Fruits is the candy. No, Juju Bee is a candy. Hannah's looking it up. Juju Bee is a candy. I think maybe they couldn't say it on Dimefeld and they were calling it Juju. No, they were calling it Juju Bees. You're right. We got to just back up off this whole thing. They're like a Sour Patch Kid without the sour element. Yeah, they're, they're just a, a Mike's hard. Or not they're a Mike's like hard. A hard. Mike, it's an Ike. Mike. <laughs> they're just a hard gummy. They're disgusting. And I'm a gummy fanatic. And yeah. they're the worst of they're the not gummies. Good. They're not good. I'd rather have Dots or Mike and Ike's than a Jujubee. I didn't realize that. But it's kind of like that. Like maybe set up a prank for your future lover that you want to get serious with. Where someone tells them something terrible happened. And then they see how they respond. And then they're on hidden cameras. And then that's how you know if you can be with them or not. <laughs> okay. Or microchip <laughs> Yeah. What I've learned he is I needed to be, be microchipped. <laughs> but I think what we've learned also is that Lisa's willing to be microchipped. And I'm microchipping everybody in my life. <gasps> yeah. And um, what else? I think there's also some early in the episode uh, lessons like uh, don't lose your virginity in Central Park after dark. I don't think that that's going to be as picturesque as they're making it seem that whole guy was annoying he was like pressuring her making yeah. jokes after they find a body i mean i just like i don't even know just saying the chances of you finding a body in the middle of the act are higher in central park so i would just stay steer clear find a field at lisa's college the lisa Traeger virginity lost memorial field i believe that that is what they call it at your old school yeah i mean i have a lot of i have a lot of opinions i definitely wrote a college senior paper on the concept of virginity. I would an abstinence only education. Would absolutely love to read it. So I just have a lot of opinions about all of this um, that does don't matter. Also, Bob Saget, what was his name in it? Garrett Glenn. Glenn. Don't trust a Glenn. <laughs> don't trust a Glenn. Also, yeah, I guess if you're ordering like some special chemical that gives people seizures from Japan, like don't use your credit card. Figure out, I mean, figure out, so get a friend to do it for you or something. Also, um, make sure you're, you're paying off your stage managers or having them sign an NDA. Yeah, because that woman was talking. Yeah. Yeah. Genevieve. No, what was it? Yeah, Genevieve. Yeah. No, it was Geneva. Geneva. <laughs> Um, because once you said that, I was like, I kind of do like that name. And I was like, I'm thinking about baby names, you know, but I'm not gonna name the baby Geneva after a stage manager from Law and Order SVU. But that would be what about the name Danny? Because apparently it sticks with you. Danny. Oh, El- yeah. Elliot loves a Danny. Danny and Danny, and then Danny Tanner is Bob Saget's name that he's probably most called by other people. 
A lot of Dannys. Also, I think in this episode we learned uh, Benson's everything. Like Maloney without Benson is nothing. Yeah. Like he couldn't talk to that man until Benson showed up mm -hmm. with her soft speak. So like, I think the, I actually, this happened to me in a professional setting where I was working with a duo and then one of the duo people disappeared and I was like, Oh, I don't think I ever liked you. I think this is where it was all at the whole time. <laughs> but yeah, I think we need to learn if SVU writers were had a real theory about the arm. Everything was related to an arm and I need to know. That's a personal thing from me. It's, it's a very it's a very college paper subject Neil, for if, sure. Neil, the role of the arm in the in the episode choreographed on Law and Order SVU by Hannah Kyle Creighton. Um, Neil, tweet at us. <laughs> yeah, Neil, let us know if you guys had some kind of arm imagery going on with Radialis. Uh, and then, yeah, we also what we have learned outside of the show because we did mention the grocery bags again in this is that there are special grocery bags that are props. Yeah, they're made out of silicone because paper So they don't bags. make noise. So we learned that. Oh, yeah. If you can, get Bernadette Peters to be your lawyer. Gosh, a legend. Tinkerbell. <laughs> and I'm Tinkerbell. <laughs> She's the best. Um, okay, now it is time for What Would Sister Peg Do, which is our weekly segment where we give you guys, you know, articles, books, uh, charities, organizations that you can look more into uh, and get some more information about the subject we touched on in today's episode. Since today's episode was really more about, you know, the microchip uh, situation, what we wanted to point you to is the Scleroderma Research Foundation, which is a cause that's very close to Bob Saget's uh, heart. It's a disease that unfortunately claimed the life of his sister, and he is on the board of directors for this organization. This is a potentially life-threatening illness, and there was almost no research on it when it, this uh, foundation was first founded. And now um, they do a lot to help scleroderma patients and um, work on finding improved therapies and a cure. So if you are interested, their website is srfcure.org. And um, we'll obviously be posting that in our it's in our show notes and we'll be posting it in our Instagram stories. I want to mention scleroderma is a fucked disease. It's one of the worst uh, diseases. Uh, drag queen Chi Chi Duvain. Yeah. Had this and a beloved drag queen who recently passed away from this. Yeah. And I was watching an interview and she was like, everyone's says when I got this, everyone's like, but you should have gotten cancer. Like it really is a really fucked up disease. Not that cancer is a walk in the park or anything mm -hmm. like that. But um, if you want to do some research on it, it really is like scary and there is no cure. And um, if you are feeling, if you are able to, I would really encourage getting involved with this one. That's to also to mention that in, on our Instagram, if you're interested, we have all of our former What Would Sister Pegs tagged in a highlight on our Instagram page. So if you're interested in any other organization we, we've mentioned, they're all listed there in a series of stories, as well as anything we mention on the podcast, like funny pictures of Reba McIntyre with a corn dog or Lisa's Obama chocolates. Those are in a highlight that we have named Mention It All. So if you see our highlight that's Mention It All or you're like, Wait, when did they post the picture of this? Obviously, highlights only last for 24 hours. So we've, I mean, uh, stories do. So we've saved them as a highlight for you. Next week's episode will be vulnerable. That is season four, episode three. So do your homework, bitches. And all episodes are on Hulu and Peacock. And we cannot wait to see you on social media. And uh, next week. Bye, bye, bye.
That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmesseduppod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at thatsmesseduppod and on Twitter at messeduppod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to SVU Superfan and our incredible producer, Hannah Kyle Creighton. And to our sound engineer and personal hero, Annalise Nelson. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song. To Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thanks to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgariff, Daniel Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, go to midroll.com slash ads. Dun, dun. dun. <laughs>